Bristol, Vermont, WNYV, Whitehall, Glens Falls. It's 8 o'clock. Good morning. This is Northern Light for Wednesday, November 29th. I'm Monica Sandresky. I'm Todd Moe. A new law allows Governor Hochul to negotiate with Mohawks in Aquasasne to resolve the 40-year-old Mohawk land claim in St. Lawrence and Franklin counties. I will say, yes, there is work to be done, but I, I can also state um, unequivocally that this is, um, this is a big step forward. Also, labor advocates are urging Governor Hochul to sign a bill to outlaw non-compete contracts. Plus, Samaritan Medical Center in Watertown has a new pilot program to bring nurses to the emergency department. Down in the emergency room, you get a little bit of everything. So you just have to be ready to handle whatever comes at you. It takes a special person to adjust to a fast setting and critical thinking. Also, we'll preview a musical reading of The Wrong Box. The farce-like novel was written by Robert Louis Stevenson at his cottage in the Adirondacks. And Sam Balzac has written an original musical adaptation. All of that and more is coming up on Northern Light. Stick with us. Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by St. Lawrence Health, committed to keeping the community healthy and safe by providing vaccines for patients to strengthen their defenses. stlawrencehealthsystem.org. And Mountain Orthotic and Prosthetic Services, a full-service practice committed to providing care for patients of all ages with offices in Lake Placid, Plattsburgh, and Malone. Details and referrals at mountainonp.com. This is Northern Light. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. The 40-year-old Mohawk land claim in Franklin and St. Lawrence counties has taken another small step towards resolution. Governor Kathy Hochul signed a law giving her authority to negotiate with the Mohawks in Aquasasne to reach a final settlement. David Summerstein reports. About a year and a half ago, the Aquasasne Mohawks won a huge legal victory. A federal judge ruled New York State had taken thousands of acres of Mohawk land in St. Lawrence and Franklin counties illegally in the 1800s. But the judge didn't propose a resolution, leaving the Mohawks, the towns and counties in New York State to figure it out for themselves. That's been the work since then. It hasn't been easy to this point, and it... You know, there's still um, sticking points on that. Assemblyman Billy Jones has been involved in land claim talks since he was a Franklin County legislator more than a decade ago. The new law New York's legislature passed and Governor Kathy Hochul signed allows Hochul to negotiate a final settlement with the Aquasasne Mohawks. Those talks will involve incredibly complicated issues in the land claim areas, which include parts of Messina and Fort Covington and an area known as the Hogansburg Triangle in Franklin County. Everything from tax-exempt status to snow plowing and infrastructure to the new size of the Mohawk Reservation, Jones says it won't be easy. I will say, yes, there is work to be done, but I, I can also state um, unequivocally that this is... Um, 
this is a big step forward. The new law is based on a framework announced last June. The state will pay Franklin County and the local towns $15 million, an additional $2 million a year in perpetuity to compensate for lost tax revenue when land becomes sovereign Mohawk territory. The state agreed to a compensation deal with St. Lawrence County in 2014. Mohawk chiefs weren't available to comment for this story Tuesday. But in a press release last June, the St. Regis Mohawk tribe said, quote, There are very few issues left to be resolved, and the council has every confidence that the parties will reach agreement. Any deal between New York State and the Mohawks will have to be approved by the U.S. Congress. David Summerstein, North Country Public Radio. New York's Cannabis Control Board voted this week to settle lawsuits that have been blocked by new recreational marijuana dispensaries from opening. The two suits challenged state rules that allowed people with past drug convictions to open the first dispensaries. They resulted in a court order that's blocked the state from processing or issuing new licenses since August. A judge still needs to approve the settlement. The Cannabis Control Board says that would allow more than 400 provisional retail licensees to move forward with their stores. Authorities are looking for a Rochester Institute of Technology student who may be in the Adirondacks. 22-year-old Matthew Grant was last seen at 10 p.m. Monday, November 20th. He was wearing a green jacket and blue jeans. Grant drives a charcoal gray 2014 Jeep Cherokee with a Michigan license plate. It was last tracked through the thruway exit in Syracuse. According to the Adirondack Daily Enterprise, Grant's internet history shows he was looking at maps of the Adirondacks and Appalachian Trail the night he was last seen. In a Facebook post, family members thanked those who looked for Grant yesterday, including DEC forest rangers. They asked folks to keep an eye out for his Jeep between Syracuse and Watertown on I-81 and between Watertown and Lake Placid on State Route 3. We have a photo of Grant on our website this morning at ncpr.org. And anyone with information is asked to call 911 or the Monroe County Sheriff's Office at 585-753-4178. Legislators and labor advocates in New York want Governor Kathy Hochul to sign a bill that would outlaw non-compete contracts. They say they're concerned about a big business lobbying effort to halt the measure. They also say that the governor's staff won't meet with them. Karen DeWitt has more. Non-compete agreements prohibit an employee of a company from working for a competitor or opening their own competing business for a certain length of time after the worker leaves the job. Senator Sean Ryan, the sponsor of a bill that would end non-compete clauses, says the agreements used to be limited to highly paid upper echelon executives at large organizations. But he says now many people, from car rental shop workers to doctors, are required to sign them as terms of their employment. The truth is that one in five Americans are subjected to non-compete agreements. Here in New York State, over 40% of the employers use non-compete agreements. Ryan was joined by supporters, including members of SAG-AFTRA, which recently successfully ended a 118-day strike against the film and television industry, the New York State Academy of Family Physicians, and members of the state's AFL-CIO. Rebecca Damon with SAG-AFTRA says the non-compete agreements harm the overall economy and artificially suppress wages. A non-compete clause allows allows workers' employer to force the employee 
to choose between better work opportunities or stability or consistency in their home life, which makes it unnecessary for the employer to make a fair market-based offer. They say they face fierce opposition, though, from some of the state's largest employers, represented by the New York State Business Council. The group's Public Policy Institute is sponsoring ads on YouTube, warning bluntly of what they see as the dangers of the measure. Albany's vote to ban anti-competition agreements would shatter our economy, crippling businesses' ability to fuel innovation and retain talent and risk seeing our jobs flee to other states. They've even created a website called JobKillerBillNY.com. Senator Ryan and other supporters of the measure say they're also concerned over the Hochul administration's denial of their request to hold a meeting before the governor considers the bill. Paul Son, with the National Employment Law Project, for decades has worked on issues at the state capitol. He says he can't recall ever being denied a meeting about an important policy bill before. I can't think of a chance in another piece of labor legislation in Albany where we have worked on where we have not been able to get a meeting with the governor's team. He called it unusual. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. Hochul spokesperson Avi Small said in a statement that the governor and her administration regularly meet with stakeholders about pending legislation. According to Small, they've discussed the non-compete ban repeatedly with advocates, including many present at the press conference. Listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. It's eight ten. Good morning. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Just ahead, actor and writer Sam Balzac is working on a musical version of the Robert Louis Stevenson novel The Wrong Box. A premiere performance in December will give you a chance to offer feedback on the creative process. We'll hear more coming up in just a few minutes here on Northern Light. Broadcaster Northern Light is supported by Blue Seed Studios, a multidisciplinary art center featuring classes for adults and youth, concerts, art exhibits, and more. BLUSeedStudios.org. And North Country Children's Museum, Potsdam, with hands-on and minds-on exhibits and programs for children 12 and under and their families. Open Wednesday to Sunday, 10 to 5. NorthCountryChildrensMuseum.org. This is music by Eddie Lawrence out of Myra.
more than $13 million will go toward resurfacing state highways in the North Country. It's part of a $100 million pot of money released by Governor Hochul. The goal is to support the renewal of state roadways impacted by extreme weather. The funding will go to 15 projects in the North Country. The highest ticket project is $2.4 million to repave a stretch of Route Route 28N in North Creek. Others include $1.8 million for resurfacing Route 9N in Crown Point and $1.2 million to revamp Route 26 in Lowville. The governor's office says the paving projects will begin next spring. Rural health care is facing a lot of issues right now. Money problems, consolidation, and staff shortages are just a few. But North Country hospitals are looking for solutions. And as part of our ongoing series on health care, we're looking at one at Samaritan Medical Center in Watertown. As Amy Fye Reisel reports, a new pilot program to bring nurses to the emergency department there has proved fruitful. When the coronavirus pandemic hit, Samaritan Medical Center lost a lot of staff. You know, the baby boomers decided to retire. The vaccine mandate hit, you know, and people didn't want to get their vaccine. That's Kim Smith, a critical care nurse of 40 years and the director of critical care at Samaritan. She says hospitals started hiring more traveling nurses, which then led to more staff leaving. People left their stable jobs and, you know, went traveling because the travelers were making an abundance of money. Those losses led to an ongoing worker shortage in hospitals across the nation. In Watertown, that put the squeeze on all departments. But Smith said it's been especially hard in the emergency room, which is a high-stress environment. Down in the emergency room, you get a little bit of everything. So you just have to be ready to handle whatever comes at you. It takes a special person to adjust to a fast setting and critical thinking. But having quality trained ER staff is vital. So is having enough of them. And that's why leadership at Samaritan started looking at ways to recruit new emergency department nurses. They landed on starting a program that exists in lots of other larger hospitals, a one-year program for recent nursing graduates. They plan to pull from Jefferson Community College graduates and spouses moving to Fort Drum. 29-year-old Sarah Wallace was the very first participant. She grew up in Brownville outside Watertown. I was a tech in the ER for six years prior to going to nursing school. So I knew that if I left, I was going to want to come back. That was something just I was very passionate about. Here's how it worked. Wallace went straight from nursing school into the year-long program, where she spent six months rotating through different floors in the hospital, like the ICU and med surge. So I spent the six months up on the floors doing things and meeting some amazing nurses and then taking those skills that I've gathered and learned from them and utilizing them in the emergency department. Wallace spent the next six months in the ER under supervision, and now she's a full-time RN. The idea is to set up nurses for success in the ER and get them there as soon as possible and with knowledge of the hospital's inner workings. This program helps with the communication between the floors and like resources. It's just so amazing to know that if there's something I don't know, I know how to figure it out. Right now, they've got five more participants in the program and more are coming. As the first participant, Lawless gave feedback and they've changed the program accordingly, said Kim Smith, because they need new nurses. We've taken all of her, all of her words of wisdom, you know, tweaking it along the way to make it the best program that, you know, we can possibly make to meet these needs that, you know, healthcare is suffering from. 
The hope is to eventually have 12 nurses in the program per year. Smith says that would make a huge difference to the emergency department and to the level of care that they can provide. Amy Feierisel, North Country Public Radio. This story is part of our ongoing series on rural health care in the North Country. You're listening to Northern Light right here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. In just a minute, a Robert Louis Stevenson novel set to music. More in a moment. After that, it's trumpeter swans on at Bird Note. They're among the heaviest of flying birds. We'll hear more just ahead at 842. But first, Todd has a look at the weather for us. Two-hour delays at Copenhagen and Edwards Knox Central Schools this morning because of slippery roads. Still some slippery roads along eastern Lake Ontario after the snowstorm. Uh, Lewis County Sheriff's Office has issued a travel advisory because of those slippery roads this morning. And the Weather Service says most of that snow diminishing to light snow and flurries by later this morning along eastern Lake Ontario. Elsewhere, mostly cloudy. With highs today in the upper 20s, low 30s, south-southwest winds, occasional gusts up to 30, 35 miles per hour today. Maybe a light snow shower tonight, overnight lows in the 20s. And then tomorrow, partly cloudy skies with highs in the 40s. We have clouds 23 degrees in Canton right now. Intrigue, mistaken identities, and humor are all part of a new musical reinterpretation of the Robert Louis Stevenson classic farce-like novel, The Wrong Box, co-authored with his stepson. And you're invited to a premiere presentation of The Wrong Box, featuring a mix of New York City and local professional performers, coming up on Saturday, December 9th at 7 p.m. at the Saranac Lake Free Library. It's free. Actor, writer, and director Sam Balzac, who grew up in the Adirondacks, wrote the music and lyrics for this show. He says the December 9th event is a developmental musical reading, and he's hoping for audience feedback. Sam says he picked the story because of its history in the Adirondacks. So I was inspired initially. I went to the Robert Louis Stevenson Cottage in Saranac Lake, uh, and I had known he'd spent time there in the area writing. And when I visited the cottage, we heard about a number of the works that he worked on there. And one of them was The Wrong Box, which he actually collaborated on with his stepson, Lloyd Osborne. And I knew it was kind of funny, and I'd gone with my parents, and they were like, oh, there's a, there's a movie of that with Michael Caine. And I was like, oh, interesting. So I was really kind of excited about that, and I was like, all right, you know, this is going to be, this is on my list of things that I'd like to, I'd like to try out to write. And then I, uh, I applied for this grant through the Adirondack Lake Center for the Arts, uh, uh, New York State Council on the Arts Support for Artists grant. And I really wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't thinking I was going to win. So I applied with this project thinking, oh, you know, this is something, it's on my list, down the line, I could, with time, I could write this. Um, and then I got the grant. So I ended up writing, writing the show this year. 
amidst a number of other projects that I'm working on. So it, it's been kind of a, a wild but really enjoyable process. In some ways, this is uh, still sort of a, a work in progress because you're going to ask audience members to, to for some feedback? Yes. I did a version over the summer. I gathered some friends. We read through the script. We played demos of the songs. And I got some feedback from my friends who read parts in it. Um, but this is going to be the first showing in front of an audience and I thought, what a great opportunity. I, I've done this kind of thing before in New York uh, with writers who come and see and sit and watch a reading and then send feedback after that. And I thought this would be a great opportunity to do that kind of thing up in the North Country uh, and give audiences up there a chance to engage with a new musical and uh, see what they feel is working, what they feel could be improved, and to kind of leave their own stamp on uh, on a work in progress. So give me kind of the elevator speech of what is this story? What, what happens? Well, it's, uh, it's basically a dead body farce. Um, there is this competition called the Tontine where uh, a group of um, youths basically pool their resources uh, in, in this, financial fund um, and the fund grows and grows as they age. Basically the last one who survives is the one who gets this large fortune that's accumulated over time. Um, so at the beginning of the, the play, there are two remaining survivors of this competition and their, um, their inheritors uh, a nephew, Morris, and um, a son, Michael, who are kind of vying for this this large fortune. And Morris is quite a, kind of a piece of work. <laughs> he believes that his competitor, Michael, that his father has actually already died, and he's just pretending that he's still alive. So he's ready to confront Michael about that when he gets in a kind of a horrible train accident and his own uncle, he believes, has died in this train accident. So now he is starting to pretend that his uncle is alive so that he can remain in competition for this large fortune. Uh-huh. So it's, there's a lot of like mixed-up identities. The wrong box is basically when they send, they send the, the body of his uncle in the mail to try to hide it away and end up with, a totally different package. It's like a statue of a big Hercules. So there's a lot of uh, mix-ups, and it's very silly. It's very dark humor. It's just kind of ridiculous all the way through. It's my idea of a good time. (laughs) (laughs) It's just my luck. There's no denying it's just my luck. And Lord, it's trying. I've had my fill of bruises, boils, and sores. And just because my wagon's hitched up to yours, the grass seems green. So on I amble, and like a fool, hit every bramble. I need a shoulder I can cry on or two. As luck would have it, I've got you. In terms of cast, the cast is also going to be kind of a mix of um, 
people I've collaborated with in New York on various projects, both as an actor and, and as a writer, as well as people from the area who are professional performers. So I'm hoping that is going to be kind of a cool crossover of groups. Yeah, I'm hoping to build kind of more, build more on this community of, of artists who live locally and artists who live in New York, which really isn't that far away um, to be kind of the artistic capital of the world. So, so that's just another thing that kind of using this, this process to, to help cultivate. I got you As luck would have it, I've got you Actor, writer, director Sam Balzac has created a musical adaptation of the novel The Wrong Box, and you're invited to a premiere presentation at the Saranac Lake Free Library coming up on Saturday, December 9th at 7 p.m. It's free, and he's looking for your creative feedback. music by Roma de Luna. We're heading into the holiday season and the Depot Theater and the Westport Chamber of Commerce present a staged play reading of Decked by Jenna Hoban at the Westport Heritage House coming up on December 9th, 5 p.m. The reading is produced by Saranac Lake-based Adirondack Stage Rats. It's an all-female serial comic play that explores themes of family, grief, letting go, and moving on. There'll be uh, the playwright will be at the performance to discuss and answer questions. And there's also a second performance of the staged reading of Decked at Pendragon Theater in Saranac Lake on December 10th at uh, 3 p.m. This is also the last weekend for Lewis County's home for the Holidays Festival, and they've got plenty more in store coming up on Thursday. Uh, tomorrow, there will be a holiday concert performed by the Adirondack Community Chorus starting at 7 o'clock in the Blue Room at the Historical Society, at the Histor- excuse me, at the Historical Society. And then on Friday from 6 to 8, uh, Santa Claus will be on hand to visit with children of all ages. Festival goers are encouraged to vote on their favorite homemade gingerbread house admission is free and all uh, proceeds from the silent auction raffle items will be supporting uh, lewis county historical society's uh, many educational and community programs that's the lewis county historical society's home for the holidays festival that runs through this saturday december 2nd Theater of the Mind coming up at the Whalensburg Grange uh, and the Depot Theater Academy. 
presenting a Christmas Carol. The uh, it's a, a Christmas Carol, a radio play on December seventeenth. Live music, refreshments starting at two. The reading performance at three. This is happening at the, the Waylandsburg Grange Hall. Admission to the event is free. It's open to everyone. Donations will be accepted. It's going to be great because it's just a radio play. Reading will include live sound effects local artists and professional actors. That's coming up on December 17th, starting at 2 in the afternoon. And don't forget, the Laurentian Singers, their winter concerts are this weekend, Saturday night, 7 o'clock at Pickens Hall in Hubleton, and Sunday evening, December 3rd, 7 p.m. in Gunnison Memorial Chapel at St. Lawrence. And the holidays are still getting rolling. It's first... Yeah, they Todd. <laughs> I love seeing... Yeah, I said there, we're entering the holiday season. Yes. We're in the holiday yes. season. Yeah. Yes, it is rolling right along. And because uh, December, start of the month, is coming up, it's first Friday in Saranac Lake, of course, a monthly celebration of cultural diversity, history, food, business, and the arts. And because it's December, they do have a lot of holiday themes Uh themed things cooking. It's Light Up Saranac um, at the Volunteer uh, Fire Department in the village of Saranac Lake. Uh, that's this Friday. Also, you can head to the Sparkle Village Craft Show and Sale. That's this Friday from 4 to 8 at the Harriet's Town Hall and on Saturday from 10 to 3. And while you're downtown, don't forget to visit the Adirondacks the Adirondack Artist Guild Gallery currently on display is um, is work from uh, George Ann Gaffney, a collection of water lily and floral paintings on gilded panels by George Ann Gaffney. You can check out more at adirondackartistguild.com. Hey, Friday and Saturday, I want to remind you that this young cast of 31 students, grades 6 to 12, been working on the alibi, uh, their December uh, uh, performance, the Peru Drama Club. It's one of those whodunits. It's actually eight short comedies stitched together that results in the alibi. Ten-minute plays. It's being presented December 1st. That's Friday night, 7.30, December 2nd, 2 p.m. and 7.30 p.m. Uh, that's all happening. Uh, the Peru Drama Club. You want more information, check the website, perudramaclub.com. Should be a lot of fun. Well, that music cue does mean that it's the end of the show for the day. Morning Edition continues in just a minute. Then stick around after the show for the Marketplace Morning Report coming up between 8.51 and 9 o'clock. If you miss an episode of Northern Light, never fear. You can always listen back to the archive any place you get your podcasts. You can also subscribe to our daily news roundup story of the day or our storytelling podcast, The Howl from NCPR, or our magazine-style show, Northward. So much to enjoy any place you get your podcasts. I'm Monica Sandreski. I'm Todd Mo. Thank you so much for listening and be well.